0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning, Tia. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining. I hope this episode will provoke some thought, maybe encourage you, maybe even give you a little peace today. The title is Have No Fear. Well, that's a big statement, ultimately an impossibility. But if we can reduce fear, if we can reduce the grip of fear, if we can take away the anxiety that comes with fear and realize what we're experiencing, I think one of the big things is It's very hard sometimes to be in tune with yourself and know what you're experiencing. Interesting, recently I had some interactions with some folks who came from a country that was in extreme lockdown measures over COVID. I've known these people a long time. And the interactions with them were very different than what has been the case before. And that is natural. That is to be expected. The interesting part, it wasn't until these people we're getting back on the plane to go home after four weeks, that they realized the last few days they were like, this is the first time I felt like myself in a long time. And that's a very important thing. We know when we are under fear, fear is a very, very powerful thing. It's designed to bring about a response in human beings that is for self-preservation, the fight or flight response that produces all the adrenaline and the reaction and You meet a bear in the woods or a tiger in the the mountains. You're supposed to have fight or flight. The problem is that that is supposed to be a momentary thing. It's kind of like a battery in a gas-powered automobile. The problem is you can't drive a combustion automobile off the battery because then what happens, it would just burn itself out. So when we are in a constant state of fear, whether we realize it or not, we are burning ourselves out and frying our circuits. Now, a lot of very classic definitions Mr. Webster calls fear an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. And the awareness part is the logical part. The anticipation is the emotional part. The vast majority of our fears were anticipated apprehensions that never came true. And we'll dive into that here today. Another definition from dictionary.com, by the way, we're digging deep here today. A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain, designed naturally to give us a response that's healthy. So experiencing fear is not a bad thing. It's what is fear, what is worthy of the fear response, and what is not. And then another definition is a basic intense emotion aroused by the detection of imminent threat. Okay, so there's our fight or flight that's what fear is and that's what fear's supposed to bring so here's what we're going to do today we're going to talk about having no fear we'll talk about the consequences of it which is first and foremost that fear is crippling it's crippling and i've been watching the paralympics and it's i got to say it is one of the most inspiring things in the world it doesn't get the ratings of any other sporting activity but it's amazing that so many people who have been in some form or other mentally or physically crippled in some way, overcoming those challenges. And it's always heroic. It's heroic. It's heroic to see the perseverance and how they overcome, and it's remarkable. What's wild is I don't believe that any of those people in the Paralympics actually caused their condition, but we can. We can. And we sometimes put ourselves in a position where we need a heroic response to what should be an ordinary event. So fear is crippling. We're going to talk about what the opposite of fear is, right? So when you introduce the opposite, right? Physics, opposite reaction, right? It's one of the laws of cause and effect. Well, the cause and effect with fear, the opposite of fear is actually love. And we're going to talk about that and using love as a way to combat fear. And then ultimately, how to be unafraid, right? It's mindset, it's motivation. We cover methodologies. We're going to get into that. So let's dive into something you already know. That fear is crippling, and the three things I want to specifically talk about today get a little dirty with you, right? because anybody listening to this day has and probably is experiencing some fears, and there's more to be fearful about today than ever before, and there's less to be fearful about than ever before. So what do I mean by that? We live in a world today that's not say World War II, where there is 50 or 60 or 70 million people being killed, where there's the imminent threat of nuclear war. Uh, we don't live couple hundred years ago where there were famines and pestilence to this degree. You know, I come from a country that was eviscerated in the 1840s, 1850s, not that long ago by a famine. We don't have those types of dynamics today. Most people listening to this podcast live in a society where there's some type of security, some type of police, some type of food securities. To be honest with you, society has never had it better economically and with basic needs than ever before. Yet fear levels are at an all-time high. And that's what I mean. We have less to be fearful of, but we're actually more fearful. And the reason we're more fearful is the dissemination of information. You know, it used to be you got your news from the town crier that came riding into town once a week. Tom Hanks had a terrific movie here recently called News of the World. And it was kind of fascinating. And it got me, as I'm prone to do, you know, research in these type of characters, Tom Hanks played a gentleman who rode into Western towns throughout the United States and would read in the community hall. And people would come from all over and leave all their farms and come in for the evening. And he would read newspaper articles, both world news, local news, national news, and then some funny stories. And that's how people got their information. Well, that was kind of an event. And then they go back to the farm and give them something to think about or whatever else and go back to their work and back to their lives. We don't have that. We have news stories, we have clickbait, we have unvetted news stories, we have opinion, we have Twitter, we have everybody, anyone anywhere can pine off. And in fact, you can state something that's totally ridiculous. And I'm going to say this more and more as I battle for people to live in the good life. I'm going to be more and more outspoken in this regard. There is more foolishness and dumb stuff said in public forums today than I have ever heard in my life and it's on every subject. It's hilarious, some of the stuff that's going on. We just have unbelievable stuff that's said, ridiculous statements that are made in regards to people's perspective, understanding of race, understanding of religion, understanding of finances, understanding of fairness. You can say the most outlandish, extraordinary, stupid thing today, and it will get play. In fact, the more stupid it is, The more it's replayed, and some play it to outrage, and some play it to agree. What does that do to everyday ordinary psyche? It creates emotions, and some of those emotions, like we talk about, an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. So you might have a serious topic that people want to discuss, like the climate, and then you hear the politicians go, "No, Miami's going to be underwater in ten years." Okay, so we go from having a discussion to having a conversation. To that's just dumb. And because of the world we live in today, people are not willing to call out stupidity. And the reason why I'll call it out is not for any political reason, is that I'm interested in people's well-being. And so these things that are foolish and moronic, and there's more and more of this all the time, and that's why it needs to be called out. It needs to be vetted when things are just foolish, when there is no common sense in that, when it's no values or principles that are aligned to it needs to be called out. You need to call it out in your own life, those things that are just foolish so that it doesn't become this distorting, paralyzing, contagious fear. So, fear distorts. How does it distort? Well, first and foremost, it distorts in that we feel out of control. And we feel out of control in the first place we can't regulate is our emotions. Then what happens is it can produce reactions. Right now, amongst 18 to 24-year-olds, is the highest group in America for experiencing anxiety. Now, I'm going to say this, that I know about anxiety. I know about high blood pressure. I got there. But I didn't get there till much later in my life when I had so many responsibilities and so much going on that it created tension and stress in me that I had to ultimately change my lifestyle for physical well-being, emotional well-being, and all that kind of good stuff so that I could better handle the stress. When you're 18 to 24, you don't have all of the responsibilities that cause all the stress that naturally come later in life and where you have it over an extended period of time. But the reason is, is that there's so much fear out there, fear of judgment, fear of the comparisons. What will people think of me? What are people saying? That dynamic. And again, the social media culture that so many young people have grown up in, it's a very, very harsh world. What you say, what's perceived to be saying the impacts of the cancel cultures, all those kinds of things. And so we feel out of control. So fear distorts. You know, Zig Ziglar talked about it 35 years ago when he called fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. We take a story and then we metastasize it. And then what happens is that story becomes a fear and that fear physically affects us, affects our body, affects our emotions, affects our interactions. And by the way, There are very few things in your life that fear makes better. Fear is designed to do one thing for a human being, save us from imminent danger. That's what it's designed to do. The benefit, the blessing of fear is to save us from imminent danger. We're not in imminent danger all day long. Very few of us are at all. The fact of the matter is most of us don't even experience much danger anymore. But fear is rampant and it distorts things. Les Brown said, too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. And that's what happens. So the fears become a dominant emotion. Why? Because fear is far more aggressive of an emotion than aspiration is. Fear is more aggressive than hope. So I set a goal. I have a desire. I have this ambition. I have this hope. I'm wishing for the best, hoping for the best, want to pursue it. But I have this crippling fear. Let me say this. You're going to listen to the fear. So we have to be aware of it. Lao Tzu said, there is no illusion greater than fear. That's why it distorts things. Mark Twain said, worrying is like paying interest on a debt you might not even owe. I've seen studies that have said that seven eighty-eight percent of the things we worry about never come true. We've paid on this debt. It's like paying all these mortgages you don't owe. Next thing you know, you're bankrupt. Next thing you know, you're broke. So fear distorts. Next thing, fear paralyzes. You had the phrase, the deer in the headlights, it can't move forward. I know what that's like. I've told this story before at seminars in the past where I took one of my sons on a hiking trip one time up to uh, the Comox Valley in British Columbia, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And he was going, hey, dad, you know, we're doing all these great hikes every day, yada, yada. Can we do something a little more exciting? So we got in a helicopter and did a heli hike up a glacier all this kind of stuff. And I've really never done mountain climbing or anything like that. He was in Seventh Heaven. I think it was Mount Matchley we went up. And long story short, we're trained on what to do and how to do it and how to climb. It wasn't like sheer face climbing, but there were times it was a bit iffier than others. And we had to go over a crevice, a crevasse, I guess they call it. So our guide goes across and puts the hooks in the wall and does the whole thing. And I'm coming behind it. He just says this. He goes, hey, No matter what, no matter what happens, whatever you do, just don't unhook. Don't unhook, right? Okay, that's simple enough. So I'm following along, following along, and my son goes across the crevasse. I'm next. I go behind him. It's pretty steep, and there's a pretty sheer drop, a couple thousand feet, it looked like. So we do this thing. We're all fearful, but it's kind of exciting. And as my son is going up this steep kind of face that's covered in ice, he slips. I slip, and now the rope becomes taut. And my thought, my fear was, oh, no, I'm going to pull my son down. So I made a fearful decision. I didn't use my logic. Oh, I don't want him to fall. So I unhooked. I did the one thing I couldn't do. And now I'm kind of stranded on one side of the crevasse. I dive back across the crevasse, stick my ice axe in the ice, crawl, almost kill myself, and crawl to... What I considered safety now I'm on the other side of the crevasse. I have no rope and I'm all by myself. And thankfully, our guide was a very experienced guy, and he looks, he goes, "Ah, you unhooked." What happened was that fear gave me the deer in the headlights. And what I found in this case, the fear that paralyzes the most is when things are closest to home. It's interesting. I don't even know that I would unhooked for myself, but when it was one of my kids, and so that's always where the fears attack us the most, where it's our soft underbelly, where it's those things that mean the most to us. And that's where sometimes, believe it or not, we'll make the worst decisions because we'll make the decision out of fear. And so now we're in trouble. Here's what was interesting. It required several acts of courage for me to get back across that crevasse and climb back up that mountain, far more so than if I have just stayed rationally where I was. So that's one of the downsides is when we give in to fear, now we're going to actually have to exercise more courage, not less. And so you end up not being able to move forward. You get into a real spot. It produces anxiety. That's the bottom line when we get into this paralytic fear. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, said, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. No doubt. Jack Canfield, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, said, Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And then Khalil Gibran, who's a famous writer, said, Our anxiety does not come from thinking from the future. But from wanting to control it. That's really where it's at. And we want to control the environment. And that's where the paralysis comes in. And so, again, we're all subject to it. It's all good. You're not a flawed toy in the factory if you have or are experiencing fear. It means you're human, but we need to make sure it doesn't control us. So we know it distorts, we know it paralyzes. Maybe the deadliest thing about fear is that it's contagious, it spreads like a wildfire. You know, it's interesting when COVID started. And everybody on the planet bought toilet paper, and all the stores were emptied of toilet paper. Now, to the best of my knowledge, at no point in time with this disease and all the misinformation that's been spouted about it, nobody ever said that COVID was a gastrointestinal disease. Yet, toilet paper disappeared. The very first thing, I mean, it's kind of hilarious, right? We know that the foods that were purchased when people were initially being told about lockdown, there was an international shortage of Pop Tarts because apparently that's a comfort food during crisis. All the things that we associate as comfort food went first, and it's fear. So emotion of fear becomes contagious, and it's a very, very powerful thing. And so we influence others. We influence others in our immediate environment. Then it's panic, and so it's very, very dangerous. Louisa May Alcott said, I'm not afraid of storms, for I'm learning now to sail my own ship. That's the answer. To the, when panic sets in, when, when you can keep your head when all those around you are losing theirs. That is the powerful thing. So what happens is we have to exercise courage during those times. We have to understand that you can't just go with the crowd. If the crowd is running in fear, let me say this, that contagion is like a forest fire and it's only going to burn something down. So you got to sail your own ship at that time. Results of a recent study showed there was greater susceptibility to emotional contagion, was associated with greater concern about the spread of COVID. There was more depression, anxiety, stress, and OCD symptoms. And consumption of media about COVID also predicted anxiety about COVID. It makes sense. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, as they say. So now we make it happen. Okay. Will Smith, great actor, said danger is very real, but fear is a choice. And so we're all going to experience danger. We're all going to experience difficulties. We live in a world today that there's a lot of hard things. There's a lot of hard things on the news, no doubt. But we understand what fear is. It's this unpleasant, strong emotion caused by anticipation or the awareness of danger. It distorts, it paralyzes, and it's contagious. So enough of that. Let's get down into how we can get into the right mindset. And that is this, the opposite of fear. You know, a lot of people say the opposite of fear is hope or faith or whatever else. But it's actually love, and I'll share it with you in a minute. I'll share with you a principle that's held a lot of power for me and my family over the years. So first and foremost, in regards to love, is you need to understand that fear is normal. And so when you understand that, that's kind of a little bit of loving yourself through the process. This is normal. What I'm experiencing is normal. I'm not weak. I'm not chickening out. You know, men especially tend to be ever afraid to admit fear. But the fact of the matter is, it's just normal. Everyone experiences it. It's like picturing a rainstorm. Everybody's affected by the rainstorm, but you have some choices inside the rainstorm. You can walk in and just get drenched. You can put up an umbrella. You can get in your car. You can go into your house. There's a lot of things you can do. We're all going to experience it. Fear can be the spark for something good. Okay. So it can actually be an ignition to get you going. We'll talk about that. And then we'll get into the details of specifically why love is the opposite of fear and actually is the number one tool to defeat fear. So let's talk about it. Fear is normal, okay? You actually need a little fear in your life just to operate, but we just need to take charge of it, okay? You know, hey, I'm afraid I'm going to go bankrupt. Great, (laughs) okay. Well, rather than obsess about it, like, what do I need to do? Maybe that'll get you on the motion of putting a budget together, maybe controlling your expenses, maybe increasing your income, maybe launching a business. Okay, great. I got a bad diagnosis from a doctor. I'm fearful for my health. Okay, Let that be the initiator, right? Like we were gonna talk about this spark. All right, I'm gonna get on a diet, I'm gonna get some exercise, I'm gonna do some old things like that. I was told a number of years ago, Brian, you go, you're a young man to be having high blood pressure. I said, Great, I'm gonna do something about it. So, fears are nothing more than a state of mind, according to Napoleon Hill. We need to understand it's a state of mind around a circumstance. The circumstance is real. What we do with that circumstance is everything. Robin Sharma said being scared is part of being alive accept it, and walk through it. And then Gerald Jampolsky, who's a psychiatrist, said, fear and love can never be experienced at the same time. It is always our choice as to which of these emotions we want. It took me a long time to understand that fear and love were actually at the opposite ends of the spectrum, and that I needed to embrace love at times of fear. As I mentioned, fear can be a spark. You can use it in a positive way to move forward, propel you forward, get things going. Zig Ziglar said fear has two meanings, forget everything and run or face everything and rise. Okay, the choice is yours. Zig was always known as the positive motivator. You know, Zig spoke on fear a lot. And you know why? Because he knew fear was a demotivator for people. And some of his best stuff that I've ever listened to was on fear. So again, he had false evidence appearing real. And he goes, forget everything and run, another acrostic, or face everything and rise. Eleanor Roosevelt said, You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. Powerful. Dr. Charles Glassman said, Fear and anxiety many times indicates that we are moving in a positive direction, out of the safe confines of our comfort zone and into the direction of our true purpose. So, what's he talking about? He's talking about the anticipatory fear of pursuing a goal or a dream. And that's the kind of fear that I want to embrace, and that's the kind of fear I want to have starting a new business, starting a new venture, pursuing a goal, doing something I haven't done before. There's an apprehension to it. There's a little fear to it. That's the healthy kind that propels you towards more of the good life. It's not always the great life. There's a little bit of fear to go through, to break out of your comfort zone. That's the good stuff. Oh, by the way, I've had people tell me, oh, I wrote up my goals and I'm pursuing my goals. And now I'm experiencing all these fears. This is confirmation that these goals aren't right. No. This is confirmation that you're getting out of your comfort zone. You're getting out of your Pop-Tart zone. You're getting out of your your stay-at-home, be-in-your-jammies-not-shower-for-two-days zone. You're going to do something that actually is meaningful. And when you go to do that, step out on a date. It's fearful. I always think about, you know, going and being, I'm 22 years of age, and I fly down south to Georgia to meet Beverly's family. Here's a white kid from the south side of Dublin who falls in love with a black girl from South Carolina. And back then, 32 years ago, interracial couples where the guy was white and the girl was black were very rare. And I'm fearful. I, I was fearful. I go down to that environment. I'm out of my comfort zone. I go down to the all black church. It was the first time I was ever in an environment like that. And, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about it. Now I stepped through it and it's the greatest thing in the world. You know, asking my wife to marry me. Is it fearful? You know, going, hey, we're going to go have kids. You're fearful. You know, you go into a delivery room, I never met a woman yet it wasn't fearful, but the great stuff comes on the other side it's on the other side of fear, and so it can be that spark and lastly, I want to talk to you about why love is the opposite of fear. It's a verse in the Bible that's really held me through a long time. it's 1 John 4:18 and it goes, "There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. This has helped me through decades in my life when I've experienced challenging times and fear especially. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So what does that mean? Well, maybe when you're experiencing fear, you want to focus on who you love. When you're experiencing fear, maybe you want to focus on what you love. And maybe when you're experiencing fear, you want to focus on who you're loved by. So who do you love? What do you love? And who are you loved by? And even in an instant fear or a short fear or, hey, this is difficult. This is challenging. I'm a nervous, scared, or I'm, I'm all the way to the wall here. This would be the mental cue because perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. So here's your technique. And it's more than that. It's rooted in deep, solid principle. Focus on who you love when you're feeling fear. Focus on what you love when you're feeling fear. And focus on who you're loved by when you're feeling fear. So we talked about how fear is crippling, and we talked about how love is the opposite of fear. But fear is normal; it can be a spark for you to get going, and how love is really the opposite of it, and how it actually works. Lastly, be unafraid. How do how do you live in this state? Well, three things: be rational, be brave, and here's the fun part: be curious. So be rational first and foremost when you're experiencing fear. Name it. You may not know initially you're fearful. You may be agitated. You might be frustrated. But first and foremost, name the fear. Try to get yourself into that rational space where you don't worry about things that might never happen, okay? Helen Keller said, avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Joyce Meyer said, when we face our fears, we can find our freedom. Absolutely. And then Cheryl Strayed said, fear to a great extent is born of a story we tell ourselves. Now, in episode 299 of the Brian Buffini show, I covered the stories we tell ourselves and how that all works. And I would encourage you to listen to that episode many times because that will be a great setup for this. Because those stories we tell ourselves ultimately is the breeding ground for many of the fears we have. So be rational. So engage the mind. Next, be brave. You got to face the fear. When you face fear, you conquer it. It diffuses it. It just does. When you move forward in the face of fear, it diffuses it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That was Eleanor Roosevelt. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he that conquers that fear. Dale Carnegie said, do the thing you fear to do and keep on doing it. That is the quickest and shortest way ever yet discovered to conquer that fear. And then Marianne Radmacher said, courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we want to be rational. You want to be brave. And here's the thing. You are brave. Think about the things you've overcome in your life. Think about the challenges you face. And then to be paralyzed by some small fear or fear of what someone might say or think or do or the neighbors or your family of origin or whatever. Be rational, be brave. The third part, be curious. Replace that fear with curiosity. And I just think what it does is it gives us a chance to discover. I'm going to discover something about myself right now. I'm going to discover maybe I have more to me than I thought. I'm going to discover more about this situation. I'm going to discover why does this produce fear for me and I'm going to discover why is it important to me. I'm going to find out the facts about the situation I'm facing or the thing that has me fearful and next thing you know, I don't have to believe somebody else's story. Episode 299 is the story we tell ourselves. Every other episode is about the stories we're told and our interaction with it. And so we have to do a little bit of homework, okay? Marie Curie said, nothing in life is to be feared. It is to be understood. No doubt. Walt Disney, when you're curious, you find lots of interesting things to do. Interesting and so exciting, and then it's growth-focused as opposed to fear and shrinking. Okay? Powerful. Aristotle, he ultimately said, he who has overcome his fears will truly be free. And that's where I want to leave you today. Can you imagine what it's like to be free of your fears? Not that you will never experience fear again. Not that you will never experience fears that you have experienced in the past. But when they occur, they're not the mouse with the megaphone. So here's this little fear. It's a little mouse, but has this giant megaphone that produces this huge reaction that either paralyzes you, that either has you act in a certain way, interact in a certain way, get small, get angry, get frustrated, get anxious. No, no, you realize it's a mouse and that's just a megaphone. And the megaphone goes away when you are rational, brave and curious. So food for thought here today, not the cure for all fears and for all mankind in a 35 minute podcast. I don't believe that's the case but hopefully some food for thought. Hopefully, in your pursuit of the good life, you'll listen more to love and less to fear. Listen more to your ambition and hope and less to fear. Go back to those things. Who you love, what you love to do, and ultimately, who loves you. Because perfect love casts out fear. And with that said, I'm going to transition over to someone I love very much, who loves me very much, It's my 90-year-old ma'am, Therese Buffini, who has an Irish blessing for you. And listen to it today. Listen to it today with a fresh set of ears. Because it's ultimately the great affirmation, if you'll listen to this Irish blessing, that diffuses fear and gets you in a state of love. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you next time. God bless. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.